I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast Wild Card Weekend Edition. So if you've been a part of the Important Nonsense crew for a few years, you know we usually cut the show at the end of the regular season, and then you get a couple months off from us. Well, not this year, my friends. We're sticking around for a little bit longer for the first time ever. We are here to help you place your bets, break down all the best DFS plays, and highlight our favorite prop bets from the playoff games. Now, of course, if we're talking spreads, we're talking bets, you know we must be talking to the gambling man, the doctor of Dynasty, at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chancy. John, it's 2021, it's the playoffs. How are we doing and how is Pumpkin? Yo, Jack, it is I, Dr. Dynasty. I'm doing good. I'm back from a short break and I'm better than ever. Um, to be honest, this is my favorite time of the sporting year. Uh, you know, my birthday is usually coincides the same week of the Super Bowl. Uh, a few years recently, I've had the Super Bowl on my birthday. That's great. So it kind of feels like there's this month-long buildup of the best level of football. And then I just get to eat cake at the end of it. It's great. Uh, Pumpkin is doing great as well. Thanks for asking. She's getting bigger, faster, smarter, probably too smart already. Uh, but I got her this really cool uh, mini football for Christmas, and we've been having a lot of fun with it outside. She's learned how to cut and move, and she's already juking me out of my shoes. It's great. Love to hear that. Love the pumpkin news. And love to hear from you as well. So be sure to follow John on Twitter, at DynastyPhD, and on Instagram, at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC. But of course, since we're also talking prop bets, you know we got to have the prop bet baller the idp mvp at the real nwb knee wallace bruce knee it's been like a whole 24 hours since i've spoken to you and that's just way too long so how's it going heading into wildcard weekend i'm not bad jack it's been a long time between drinks you're right but it is a pleasure to link up with both you and dr dynasty once more i'm looking forward to talking about the six games because as we know there's an expanded playoff um playoff listing this year so we don't get the four wildcard games we get six which is a bonus so let's enjoy it let's enjoy it well said be sure to follow me on instagram at the real nwb and be sure to follow along with the, all the playoff content all the dynasty content over on importantnonsense.com and on twitter instagram facebook and all the other socials at nonsense ff you don't want to miss out on all the off-season goodness but enough about us it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty of wild card weekend and we'll kick things off with the number seven seed in the afc the team that gets in thanks to the expanded playoffs congratulations to the indianapolis colts as they head to the buffalo bills taking on the number two seed and they're the team that gets screwed because of the expanded playoffs they lose the bye so the home team bills are the favorites expected to win by six and a half. They've got fans in the stands now, but there will not be a tailgate with bodies being put through tables due to social distancing. So with all that in mind, can Josh Allen lead his team to a victory? And more importantly, can they cover the spread? 
That's a great question, obviously, uh, to ask. And so, as you mentioned, Jack, the Bills are currently six and a half point favorites. I just want you to keep that number in mind. I think that could be our first potential teaser candidate. Uh, if you're looking to maybe get a little frisky, hold on to that number. Uh, this season, Indy and Indianapolis was eight and eight against the spread, which is pretty fitting because uh, Philip Rivers is our quarterback. He is also basically a 50-50 bet his entire career, whether in uh, San Diego, Los Angeles, or Indianapolis against the spread. So, uh, you know, something to be wary of, I think. Um, you know, Buffalo this year was actually 11 and five against the spread and tied for the best record in the NFL. They are on a six game winning streak all by 10 points or more. Um, I think Buffalo will win this game. And I think the reason why is Josh Allen will continue to ascend. The bills have the third, uh, best passing, uh, rating according to DVOA, and they are going to be playing uh, the seventh best defense against the pass in Indianapolis. But I actually think that number might be slightly uh, inflated for Indianapolis. Um, but I still, I think because we are talking about playoff teams, all of these games, I think there is a chance we can make the case, you know, why any of these teams could win. So I do think if Indy does win, it's going to have a lot to do with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he finished the season as the third. Uh, running back in terms of running yards, and he's really heating up at the right time. And the Bills, if we look at you know their numbers, they're right in the middle of the pack when it comes to stopping the run. They're 17th in DVOA when it comes to stopping the run. Um, Indianapolis is 15th in running the ball in DVOA, but I actually think that number is maybe a little underinflated with uh, Jonathan Taylor heating up. But my pick for this game um, is Buffalo winning and covering. I think they're going to win 31-20. to 20. I really like Buffalo a lot this postseason. It is really a shame that the first year they get home field advantage like this, they're not going to have the crowd they're used to because they're probably the hottest football team right now, I think, in terms of playing. Uh, the Colts, I think, are a good team, but ultimately I think they're going to let be left wondering what could have been about this season. Have only had they just beaten the awful Jags or just finished Pittsburgh two weeks ago, maybe they wouldn't be in this predicament of playing on the road. Yeah, I got to co-sign that, Jack. I mean, Dr. John Dynasty. Um, the Colts, they put themselves in this position, and Buffalo are going to go to town on them. This is their first home playoff game of the 21st century. Let that sink in. They're the best team in New York State right now, and they're going to show no mercy to the Colts, as they've done to the most of their, rec their most recent opponents. They, they play like they have a chip on their shoulder, the Buffalo Bills, both on offense and defense. I expect the Bills to win 34-19, and take care of the spread in the process. I absolutely love everything you guys have said. And remember, this is going to be a cold one in Buffalo. Right now, it's calling for a low of negative 5 degrees Celsius. That's 23 Fahrenheit for the three countries in the world that don't use the metric system. So when the cold hits, the hits hurt more, especially at 39 years old. And the Bills were dancing to MC Hammers. Can't touch this this week. So for all those reasons... I'm taking the Bills to win, I'm taking the Bills to cover, and I'm taking the Bills to go hammer time on Indy, get the 35-23 to 23 victory. And so you'd think with the Colts being down so much in my prediction, I would like their passing game, but nope, not at all. I'm fading all the Colts pass catchers. I don't think Rivers can get it done in the cold. I think he's going to be dumping it off, like John said, to Jonathan Taylor. JTT is going to break a long run because the Bills aren't great against the run. So Taylor is a must-play in DFS. But outside of that, I'm not interested in anyone on the Colts. Rivers, Hilton, they don't matter. They're, and all their tight ends are interchangeable too. Doyle, Burton, and Mo'Ally Cox. So none of them matter. 
but it's the complete opposite for the Bills. Obviously, we like Josh Allen because even in a blowout, we know they're going to run up the score. That's just what they do. Like me said, massive chip on their shoulder. So even though Allen is the highest salary QB on the Saturday slate, I'm still in, and if I'm playing Allen, I'm stacking him with Stephon Diggs because, spoiler alert, he's playing. He's not missing a playoff game. And if Cole Beasley's playing, which he probably is as well, maybe sprinkle him as well in your lineups. Also have a healthy John Brown returning, $4,700 salary on DraftKings. And if anyone does miss, we also have Gabriel Davis at a spicy 4K salary. So I love the Bills, love Jonathan Taylor, and that's it. I don't care about anyone else in this game at all. Jack, I think you should care about the props in this game. I've got something for you all. Um, my favorite prop this game. Now, just before I go any further, I want to point out that for each of these props, I'm actually going to be going one step further. I've told my bookmaker to actually put some coin down on these props. So I've got skin in the game. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is on the props. So we're going to kick off with this game. And I believe in this Indianapolis versus Buffalo encounter, there will be a missed field goal attempt. All right. I've seen one agency putting out odds of two, two units on that, so definitely get your money there. Now, Buffalo is a tough place for kickers to play at the best of times, but in this game in particular, we have Rodrigo Blankenship and Tyler Bass. They're both rookies, and they're in crunch time. I expect at least one kick will be missed in this game. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought bringing up rookie kickers because I'm also going to, to talk about later about rookie or not rookie, but first time quarterbacks in the playoffs. I think that big stage is something you really have to factor in uh, for a number of positions, perhaps when you're thinking about, you know, maybe bets or maybe prop bets. Um, but I'm left at least with a couple of questions, you know, so for the Colts, uh, my big question for the Colts coming into the playoffs is, you know, we, we see the horseshoe on the side of their head. Uh, but is it, you know, as the as their luck run out in 2020 and 2021? I would think so at this point. And then my big question for the Bills, and I think I sort of addressed this earlier, is are they playing the best football right now? And if, you know, if the answer is yes, what's that going to get them? Well, Doc, I think luck ran out for the Colts last year, to be honest, when Andrew Luck retired. But um, <laughs> the, rivers, the, the rivers will run dry on Saturday. Uh, Phil Rivers... He played in California. He's been playing indoors with the Colts. He's not a guy that plays in the cold much. But just moving on to the Bills. They're playing pretty well on both sides of the ball, as I said before. They're playing with swagger. They just Josh Allen just needs to keep up this MVP-like form that he has, and they'll be sweet. They'll be good. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. The Colts are done for, unfortunately. And the Bills are playing some fantastic ball. However... I don't know. The Ravens are playing some pretty good football, too, but I digress. Anyways, our second game on the Saturday slate. <laughs> I am, but it's my show, and I can do what I want. Go Ravens. But anyways, second game of the Saturday slate, 440 Eastern kickoff. And I would just like to say just once again how beautiful it is having six playoff games over two games or two days. My word. So the NFC West champion Seattle Seahawks are hosting their rivals, the Los Angeles Rams, and things really are not looking good for Jared Goff playing. He's officially questionable, but I don't see it happening. And the, the Rams do have an elite defense, which helps. They do have a dominant run game with the potential return of Cam Akers, but Seattle is three and a half point favorites. Do we see that being an accurate line? Yeah, Jack, this line was at one point, I think, at four and a half, and now it's down to three and a half, which I think is more appropriate. Get it away from that Vegas zone. Uh, if you're not familiar, the Vegas zone is that spot in between a touchdown and a field goal where Vegas isn't quite sure 
But I think as we see, maybe as the more as the more money comes in, we're starting to see that line get down to maybe you know an appropriate three and a half. Um, and as you mentioned, Jared Goff, uh, he probably is going to miss the game, um, which means we're going to get more Wolford. Um, and but you know the Rams are all are probably likely to get Cooper Cup back, which is a plus. But um, this is really important because this is potentially uh, one of two matchups in the playoffs where you're going to have first time starting quarterbacks in the playoffs. Um, and and just the it should be known that first time quarterbacks in the playoffs in the wild card round against the spread are awful uh, against the spread and straight up. Uh, they're below 500 severely. So uh, since 2002, first time starting quarterbacks in the wild card round are 12 and 41 against the spread. Don't go anywhere near Wolford. Uh, just based on that number alone, that that should terrify you. Uh, Seattle this year was eight and eight against the spread. Another coin flip. Los Angeles was nine and seven. This will be the third time these two these two teams have played. Obviously, because they're division rivals, they split the fur the fur you know the series. Uh, Seattle won the most recent matchup when I think I think they looked more dominant in their Week 16 win. Uh, but obviously, Jared Goff was was banged up, uh, and that team is a little banged up. I think the Seahawks will win. Um, but I don't think it's because Russ is going to cook necessarily. I think it's because they're going to play mistake-free football and play smart football. This is a division rival. They know the Rams. They know they have a nasty defense, and they don't want to give them any opportunities to let that defense score or put them into uh, you know bad positions. So I think they'll let Russ cook at times, but play conservative overall. Um, if the Rams were to win this game, though, I think it would have to be because of their defense. They would overcome the limitations their offense has right now, regardless if it's Wofford or if it's if it's busted thumb Jared Goff. I just don't think that's going to go in and beat Russell Wilson on the road in Seattle. Um, so, yeah, my pick in this game is Seattle's going to win 24-13. They're going to cover. Um, I don't think it really matters who's playing at quarterback. I mean, just say it out loud to yourself. Russell Wilson versus injured Jared Goff or John Wolford. I mean, you say it out loud. It, it just doesn't make any sense. The Rams don't have the firepower right now. They're beat up to keep up. And I think they're going to be too dependent on turnovers from their defense, which honestly, the Seahawks just don't even commit that that often. They're plus four on the season. Um, so my question for the Rams before turning it over is, does it even really matter who plays quarterback? Um, look, that's a very good question, Doc. I think... It may not matter in terms of the final result, but I think John Wolford's going to do a lot better than we may think. Um, also, Rams' defense, they're not to be sniffed at. Aaron Donald is going to make plays. He made plays the last time they played the Seahawks, and Wilson is going to get hit early and often. But Seattle's receivers, Metcalf and Lockett, they're going to show up for him when it matters. And with that... I expect Seattle to win 19-12 to 12 in a very dreary encounter. It's probably going to be raining in Seattle because it's Seattle. But they'll cover the spread, so it's all good. Yeah, even with Jared Goff in the lineup, I'd be taking Seattle to cover. But with the backup, I'm just that much more confident in it. Goff just always seems to crumble. And while the former QB of the Arizona Hotshots did win against the Cardinals, I don't trust him for the Rams' offense at all, and so I can't play any of them. My worry for the Seahawks, though, is they're going to play conservatively, run the ball, play old-school Pete Carroll, Brian Schottenheimer football. This could lead to a closer game, but even so, I see Seattle winning by at least seven. I don't see it being within a touchdown game. 
Anyways, usually I'd be in on the Rams' pass catchers knowing that they're going to be down and throwing, but I don't trust Wolford, and I trust no one on the Rams' offense, including Cam Akers. Spoiler alert, he's not healed from his high ankle sprain. You can't heal that quickly. Ask Michael Thomas and Jimmy G. So we're just out on the entire Rams' offense in DFS because of that uncertainty. And with the Rams failing to put up points, we can't trust Russ to cook. We usually could still play Metcalf in this kind of matchup because he only needs two catches to put up 20 fantasy points. But he's going to be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey again in the two games versus the, versus the Rams. Metcalf caught two of four for 28 yards in the first game and six of eight for only 59 yards in the second. So unfortunately, the only Seahawks we can trust are Chris Carson because he's going to get 20 touches and maybe Jacob Hollister hoping he finds the end zone. So this is really disappointing. This could have been a really excited game. And instead, I think it's going to be really dull. 23 to 10 win for the Seahawks. Hey, you know what makes a dull game fun? Prop bets. And for the Rams versus Seattle, I got a, I got a doozy for you. The team to punt first. No surprises. It'll be the Rams. And one bookmaker is offering $1.72. Um, here's the thing. John Wolford is in potentially his second start. And he has to get used to playing with Cooper Cup, who was out with COVID the week before, in addition to continuing to build up rapport with Robert Woods. Thankfully, the Rams have a very good punter in Johnny Hecker. Remember him from the Super Bowl? Well, he's going to be called upon often on the weekend. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet, Me, I think I think we'll see a lot of Hecker. Uh, my final thoughts on this game, I really am very curious um, about which Seahawks team will we see in this playoffs. Are we going to see the... The Seahawks who started off the year and were really letting Russ cook and fire on all cylinders or a little more restrained uh, uh, Russ and led Seahawks that's actually playing behind a more conservative approach again. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And that's the thing, Doc. I feel like the, the Seattle we're going to see in this playoffs is one where Russ doesn't cook. They're going to take his tongs and his apron away from him. I feel like that's a re the reason is because Pete Carroll wants to control the clock. And that's going to keep the game close on Saturday. So that's where the Rams could be able to win the game through their defense if they make plays in spite of their offense. For this game, for sure, I agree. Russ will not be cooking. But I don't know. They may have to in the divisional round if they're playing the Saints or somehow end up against the Packers. I think they will have to unleash Russ. So I'm excited for that next week. But for now, it's going to be dull. And for now, it'll bring us to the main event of Wild Card Saturday as the Tampa Bay Gronkineers were forced to head to Washington to take on the NFC Least Champions, who just happened to have a losing record. That's disgusting, honestly, like how Washington gets a home game. It's a travesty that we are forcing Tom Brady out of sunny Florida to play a lesser team in the playoffs. It's disgusting. I am ashamed. Tom Brady does not deserve this in the least bit, but still, on the road, they are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Will you co-sign this, John Chansey? Oh, definitely, Jack. I'll definitely I'll take the seven and a half points. Uh, you know, I think I think at certain points this was even higher. Uh, getting I think it was over eight and a half, even nine at certain points. So it's coming down a little bit, but I, you know, um, you know, you you, you kind of want to poo-poo the matchup because it's it's an, uh, an under five hundred team. But if we just look at just simply DVOA, um, we're looking at an unstoppable force meeting an unmovable object. The number three rated DVOA offense in Tampa Bay against the number three DVOA defense uh, in the D.C. Riveras. 
Um, a big question mark will be about Mike Evans, who looked like he was going to miss the game, but now there's a chance he's going to play. I still think that could factor into maybe some more Antonio Brown catches and touches. Um, so maybe factor that in if you're looking at some prop bets there. Um, both Tampa and Washington were both nine and seven against the spread. So Jack, you can poo-poo them uh, about their about their overall NFL record, but I guarantee you a lot of gamblers uh, were having some fun with this team if they were able to ride that wave. Um, so I do think Tampa's going to win um, because I think they're obviously the better team, and I think Brady is just on a hot streak right now. He's heating up exactly the right time. He's clicking with the offense. Even if Mike Evans were to miss this game, I think they have too many weapons. Or even if he's limited, I still think they just have too many weapons for D.C. to stop. Um, but let's play devil's advocate. Why could potentially the D.C. Gruden's win, or D.C. Rivera's, excuse me, I'm stuck in the past apparently. Uh, if they really get after Brady, if you know, if they are able to make – make good on their promises of wanting to get after Brady. You know, you're hearing some chattering from their locker room already. Um, and if they make him uncomfortable, you know, hey, that's what you got to do to get Brady out of out of sync. Um, and D.C., surprisingly, is a, is a team that does respond well in the second half. So if they can keep it close going into the second half, maybe they can hang around. But I still like Tampa a lot. My pick is the Bucks will win big and cover 34 to 10. They just beat the teams they should. They've lost to some good teams this year, um, but they've beaten the teams they should. I don't think DC is any different. Alex Smith, it's a wonderful story, but yet again, look at the matchup. Alex Smith is not beating Tom Brady in the playoffs. I'm sorry, it's not happening. So my question to conclude this portion is, what can the DC Riveras do to build on the success they had this season. Yeah, they were seven and nine, but they won their division and really made some pretty good progress from the year before. That's a good question, Doc. And I think it comes with the, the guy who's seen the passes. The defense is in good shape. Maybe they could add someone at cornerback or free safety to go along with Landon Collins when he comes back from injury. But Cam Newton in Washington, I, I like the sound of that. Cam Newton linking up with Scott Turner and... Um, Ron Rivera, the riverboat man, it'd be, it'd be nice. I think it could work in 2021. Anyway, I'd rather see the DC Riveras in the playoffs than a 6-10 and 10 Giants. I, I just cannot get behind a team with double-digit losses in the playoffs. So, I'm going to cape up for the DC defense here. I know they're 7-9, and nine, but they've been solid when it comes to containing teams. And I expect their front seven to get to Tom Brady. I know Tristan Wirfs on the Tampa Bay offensive line is an offensive rookie of the year candidate. But if Chase Young doesn't get past him, Montez Sweat will. And vice versa. Also, this DC team is 7-9 overall on the season. But you need to understand, this highs the fact that they're actually 5-2 in their last seven games. They're hot right now. This game is not going to be a blowout like many are calling. And we need to understand that Ron Rivera has knocked out Bruce Arians in the playoffs playoffs of four, he was leading the 7-8-1 Panthers past Arians Cardinals five years ago. Keep that in mind and read into that what you will. Anyway, to sum up, the spread will not be covered here because, wait for it, I expect DC to win 23-21. Oh, 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 wow. That is spicy. So and that answers your question too, John. What can they do going forward to keep keep up this momentum winning a playoff game would be massive for Washington complete reset however 
I don't see it happening. I think it's going to be a disappointing Saturday, to be honest. It's going to be three blowouts in a row to kick off wildcard weekend. John put it best. Tom Brady beats up bad teams. Chase Young is excited to sack Brady, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm calling it 38-9 W for the Bucks. Brady is going to come out slinging it. He's going to make a statement that he is still here. And it's truly ridiculous what Tom Brady is accomplishing right now. I don't think we're giving him enough credit. National media is not giving this man enough credit. So at 43 years old, Brady has thrown 4,633 yards and 40 tugs. Peyton Manning, at 38 years old, he threw for 4,727 yards. But then... At age 39, he becomes a complete shell of himself, drops off a cliff. And then there's Brett Favre. So he gets to 30, 33 touchdowns, 4,200 passing yards at 40 years old. And then at 41, becomes a complete shell, drops off a cliff. So Brady is three years older than Shell Favre and four years older than Shell Manning. And he's absolutely still balling. So I think we have to give him all the credit. So play your Bucks pass catchers because Brady is going to run up the score. Play Brady in DFS as well. I'm not so in on Rojo, but I never am. You guys know that. If you really want, you can play the pass catchers on the football team. You can play Terry McLaurin. You can play Logan Thomas. And you can play J.D. McKissick because they will have so much garbage time in this blowout loss. They'll have the chance to compile lots of catches, lots of empty yards. But just be wary because they're probably not going to find the end zone. Sorry to say. Sorry to poo-poo your, your ideas, Nia, ideas, knee. Anyways, though, rounding out the lopsided Saturday that I'm predicting, what are we looking for in this one for our prop bet? Well, Jack, I had I was toying and throwing on this one, so I got to give an honorable mention to a prop bet for Logan Thomas to score a touchdown. If if you're feeling it, go ahead and do it. It's about 4.4 units. But my favorite prop bet from this game is actually whether there'll be a defensive or special teams touchdown from either side. That's paying two dollars eighty-seven at some bookmakers. Here's the deal. Tom Brady, as Jack has mentioned, has had a pretty good season for 43 years. A very good season. But he's had his moments. He's thrown pick sixes multiple times this season. And this has been especially the case at nighttime. What time is this game? 8.15. Remember when he played against the Rams, against the Saints? Well, he coughed the ball up and the opposition scored um, touchdowns from that. So... Keep that in mind. Also, on the flip side, Alex Smith, if he gets to hurry up from Shaq Barrett for the Riveras, he could easily fumble the ball away or throw a pick six to, say, Cameron Girl, especially if they're playing hurry up offense. So, I really feel like the defense is going to get a touchdown in this game. The question is, which side? Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting prop bet, and I, I definitely could see that one going either way, but I suppose I'm, I'm hoping it falls on the side of, of Tampa Bay, or Tampa Bay, excuse me, getting that turnover for a touchdown, uh, because we're going, our first game, we're going head-to-head uh, of, of differing opinions on this one, so it'll be exciting. Um, so my question, though, and I think I already know your answer on this one, Nick, because you've already counted him out, uh, Tom Brady uh, and, the, and the Tampa Bay Bucks, but... Are we uh, collectively sort of sleeping on the Buccaneers for their playoff run? I think just because they're they're on the road, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, I think you know maybe we're not giving them enough uh, enough credit for for how good of a team they really are. I I can see where you come from um, on that one, Doc. And I, I while I do think this is going to be a close game, I'm not saying that the Buccaneers are out of it and they can very well win this game. The thing is this: if they get to the Super Bowl, they'll be 
if I'm not mistaken, one of the first in history to host the Super Bowl at home. That's very romantic. That'll be a nice story. But I feel like the NFC in itself is hard to get out of because Tom Brady at some point is going to have to win against Aaron Rodgers in the snowball at Lambeau Field. And that's going to be a challenge with Green Bay hitting their straps right now. I'm going to put it out there that we are sleeping on the Bucks. That's my personal opinion. I think they can make quite a push, but we'll talk about that later. We'll get to a word from our sponsors and a little bit of foreshadowing, shadowing, shadowing, shadowing. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yep. I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve. You can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. And we are back and we are kicking off the wild card Sunday with the most exciting game on the slate as the number five seeded Baltimore Ravens head on down to Nashville to take on the AFC South champions, the Tennessee Titans. Lamar Jackson, 0-2 against the Titans in his career and 0-2 in the playoffs. But as Robert Griffin III said, we're coming to get our bike back. After being bullied by the Tennessee Titans, the Ravens are saying no more, and Vegas has taken note they have made the Ravens three-point favorites on the road. Yeah, Jack, Baltimore are, are three-point favorites on the road, and so I think that is that line is maybe perhaps the most surprising one, in my opinion, just considering that Tennessee has had Baltimore's number as of late, 
And uh, it's in Tennessee, but I mean, you know, this really isn't the same Titans team as last season or even when they played the Ravens. So uh, that's probably what the, you know, what Vegas is taking into consideration. Uh, Baltimore, they're on a five game winning streak uh, against the spread and straight up Um, on the season. They were 10 and six against the spread. Tennessee, though, uh, was seven and nine against the spread in 2020. Um, You know, the last time they played, uh, they played in week 11. Uh, Tennessee won 30 to 24. They also beat the Ravens in the playoffs last year, as you mentioned, uh, 28 to 12. I think the Ravens will win ultimately because of revenge. I mean, that's a huge narrative for this team, that this team, they get another shot at taking down uh, a team that's really, like you mentioned, it's been a bully to them as of late. So I think, you know, that if the, why Baltimore will win, Lamar is going to be able to shake those demons off of not being able to, you know, uh, to step up in, in the big game or the playoff games, you know, overcome that sort of narrative that's out there. Tennessee is 29th in defensive DVOA uh, for this season, 29th in passing, 16th in rushing. Um, so I think that kind of that, you know, this defense is not as good as maybe they have been in past. So I think the, the Ravens can take advantage of that. Um, but this is still a dangerous Titans team. Of course, they have a lot of weapons. And ultimately, I think if Tennessee does win at home, because remember, they are playing at home, they do have the best player. I'm sorry to say that, Jack. I know you love Lamar, but Derrick Henry is the best player on the field as an individual. Sure. But And he, he has he, he's gone over 100 yards in both games against the Ravens. If he goes off for another one of those just crazy Derrick Henry games, and I think it's anybody's guess at that point, um, so anyways, yeah, I think, I think, I think the Ravens are going to win. Uh, I think they're going to win 24, uh, to 20. It's going to be a close game, but, uh, I think they'll cover. I am probably most nervous about this game just because it's on the road. You know, you're, we're taking a, we're taking a road favorite and that's our, I think our first one so far, maybe not. I'm sorry. Tampa was, excuse me. Um, uh, it just makes me nervous. Um, but I still think Baltimore will win. And my question then how how will the Titans defense be able to contain Lamar? Because that's got to be their number one priority. Well, I'll be honest, John, because I had a look at the, the team that beat Baltimore last year, and I look at the team this year, and Logan Ryan's left town. He's in New York nowadays, and um, their key pass rusher is on IR. In um, What's his name? The name escapes me right now, but you need to understand that the way that Titans are going to defend this game is through their offense. This game has the makings of being the highest scoring of the weekend, and Titans D have been found wanting in recent weeks, but they've overcome that, as they did last week, through their offense. Tanner Thrill, and they have Derrick Henry, as you mentioned, John. So he's going to be the one that helps them over the line. I can see the Titans winning 35-30. to It won't be pretty, but it'll happen. Let's do this. Another head-to-head. And I will be the tiebreaker. And what a shame, because this now brings us to four straight blowouts to start Wild Card Weekend. Who'd have thunk? Maybe I'm a homer. Maybe I'm crazy. But like John said, this is not the same Titans team. But this also isn't the same Ravens team either from earlier in the season. Remember, just days after playing the Titans in Week 11, the entire Ravens team was shut down thanks to COVID-19, including Lamar Jackson, who contracted the virus. So since returning from the reserve COVID-19 list, Lamar is completing 67% of his passes. He's thrown 11 touchdowns to just three interceptions, plus another four rushing scores, 
also averaging just 162 passing yards a game. That sounds bad, but another 86 rushing yards a game, 27.67 fantasy points per game. He's just so efficient. He doesn't need these big volume passing numbers. And he's a QB2 behind Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson is back to MVP Lamar, which is why we are all about him, even though he's the QB1 in salary on the Sunday slate. Salary of 7,800 on DraftKings. So stack him and Mark Andrews. Maybe you throw in some Hollywood. He's been back from the dead a little bit all of a sudden. But the good news, though, for, is because the Ravens are going to score so many points, Ryan Tannehill is going to be in play, too. He's going to have to sling it as well. He's been rushing the ball as well. Ryan Tannehill, QB3 behind Lamar since week 13, since Lamar came back. So with the Ravens winning this one, 34-23, it's going to be all about Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown in DFS, not at all about Derrick Henry. And you know how I feel about Corey Davis. So you heard it here for us, or first, 34-23 to 23 victory for the Ravens. Wow, that's a, that's a heck of a take, Jack. Let's see if that comes through. Now, before I go any further, of course, the pass rusher was Jadavian Clowney, who was a uh, free agent pickup this year. So my learning from that is don't drink and drive, but definitely drink and record podcasts. Anyway, my favorite prop of this game is the team with the most first downs. Now, I'm going to go with the Titans, who are actually the underdog in this one with 2.25 units. But... I need you to understand this. Tennessee have actually achieved more first down, first downs per game than Baltimore this season. And this is even more pronounced when the Titans are at home and Baltimore on the road. So, whether the Titans are controlling the clock with King Henry or playing hurry up with Tanner through, I expect them to have more first downs on the day. Not so fast, Nee. You know, I think that'll be interesting, an interesting prop bet. But I think the Ravens, uh, that's going to be the way in which they'll take this game. I think they'll be able to, you know, uh, hold on to time of possession, get more first downs, avoid third downs, playing some of that Canadian football <laughs> that my two, uh, my two podcast friends may be accustomed to. But anyways, my final thoughts on this game, thinking about the Ravens. Uh, and I think we, some, I think, you know, Jack and I have probably already answered this uh, in the affirmative, but is this the year that Lamar and the Ravens kind of shake off this, these playoff demons and make, uh, make a playoff run. Look, I know I know Jack's going to have a passionate response to this, but the, on one side, the defenses are built for it, okay? They brought in Yannick Ngakwe to go alongside Kalei Campbell. They've got that mean secondary with Marcus Peters and friends, but for me, it's the lack of a wide receiver option outside of Hollywood Brown. I know Des Bryant is in there, but he's not your older brother's day, Des Bryant. And this is going to be a problem when they run into the likes of Kansas City where they're going to have to make moves on offense. Unfortunately, that is also how I feel. I do think the Ravens are going to blow out the Titans. They're going to get a big victory, exercise those playoff de demons, but they're just not built to keep up with the Chiefs. No one is. Maybe the Bills are, but I, I really don't see it. I don't think anyone can beat Kansas City in the AFC. So we're going to move on back to the NFC in our second game of Wild Card Sunday, where we get the Nickelodeon special. MVP Mitch and the Chicago Bears sneak into the playoffs. They're rewarded with a trip to the number two seed in the New Orleans Saints. Vegas has no faith in the Bears, putting the Saints as nine and a half point favorites. And watch out for a cameo from SpongeBob, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that is one of perhaps one of the more bizarre storylines uh, or headlines out of the NFL I've seen in quite some time. 
But as you mentioned, you know, the, the New Orleans Saints, they're nine and a half point favorites at home. Uh, so I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast when we talked about India Buffalo that I had a second uh, candidate for a teaser. I think it's this game here. If you're wanting to get a teaser and have some fun, you know, you could probably tease the line down maybe three points or so for both games. Uh, you know, kind of put your wrist together with that, have some fun. Um, but I still like New Orleans to win this game. New Orleans is nine and seven against the spread this season. Chicago's eight and eight against the spread this year. Um, they did play earlier in the season in New Orleans one twenty or twenty six twenty three. Uh, I think New Orleans is going to win because they're playing against MVP Mitch, who I think is going to turn back into a pumpkin. And this Saints defense is just pretty nasty, and I think they're going to be able to dominate this game, uh, create turnovers. Um, but again, you know, let's play devil's advocate. How could the Chicago Bears potentially win this game? Well, again, we have Drew Brees, who's, you know, I think he's 40 or almost 40 by now. He probably feels older after he had all those ribs broken. Um, and he's on the verge of retirement. He's basically told us that he's not going to play football anymore. Uh, and I think the broken ribs might have something to do with it. And so if that Chicago defense can live up to any of its, you know, former glory and put the pressure on Drew Brees, then, hey, we've got a game here. We have an interesting game that maybe even MVP Mitch could overcome, but I really doubt it. Um, I think New Orleans is going to win and cover. I like them winning 31-12. to 12. This defense is just too good. I think they'll even overcome, even if the Bears defense were to step up. I just don't think there's enough uh, spark in the Bears offense. So with that in mind, my big question for the Bears, is making the playoffs enough to bring back Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, and MVP Mitch Trubisky. The million million dollar question in Chicago. Now, Trubisky has made a compelling case to return to the um, starting quarterback position next year. He had a hot run to end the season, and he helped get Chicago into the playoffs. But for me, the jury is still out on the other two, especially Nagy. I mean, Allen Robinson, he's basically demanding better. He, he doesn't want to be around it, so he'll be gone. And I think the Bears... They, they kind of stumbled into the playoffs, to be honest, because they got some help when the Cardinals, they lost Kyler Murray in Week 17 with injury, and they weren't able to go ahead and get the win against the Rams. So that helped Bears get into the playoffs. Another thing is, without the seventh seed, the Bears don't make the playoffs. So that's another thing to consider here. The Saints, on the other hand, they put on the gas since they lost to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs a couple weeks ago, and they're going to squash the Bears. They're going to make an example of Chicago on the Drew Brees farewell tour. So, I expect the Saints to win 35-18. to 18. I absolutely love that. And like we said, Saints got the 26-23 victory earlier in the year over the Bears. But that was with Nick Foles under center and no Michael Thomas. I think the Saints win. I think the Bears are able to hold them down at times. So I am taking the Bears to cover, but I am taking the Saints' money line. I think this just ends up being a slower-paced game in general. Saints play it safe and conservative. So because of that, I'm not playing Drew Brees because, A, the Bears' D is good, and, B, there's a chance Taysom Hill just vultures him again. I hate that. And, of course, not playing MVP Mitch because he's bad at football, playing a good defense. So not interested in DFS at all. So really, the only guys in this game I'm interested in are the studs. We've got Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas because one of them will catch over 10 balls. It's just going to happen. And maybe I'm interested in Allen Robinson as well. And then the tight ends because tight ends are crapshoot. Sure, go for, go for Cole Komet. Go for Jared Cook. 
But other, like, really, I am thinking this is more of a defensive battle. We see less touchdowns, more field goals, which makes me really not about the auxiliary, auxiliary receivers. No Mooney, no Millers, no Sanders, no Traquan. And I'm also not in on David Montgomery because while he was dominant to end the season, that was against some pretty garbage defenses. Not so with the Saints. Saints get the W 17-13 to and fail to cover. Yep, I'm going to co-sign that, Jack. If I had David Montgomery in Dynasty, I would be making moves to move him on. Anyway, coming back to this weekend's playoff game, my favorite prop in this game is for New Orleans to score in every quarter of the game. It is currently $2.37 at some bookmakers. The Saints were last kept scoreless when they lost to the Chiefs in the first quarter of that game. They would go on to score in the remaining three quarters, and they kept scoring every quarter since. They... There's just something about this team. They just, there's a chip on their shoulder. They've heard the chat about how they went out of the playoffs early. They're going to make an example of this team on the weekend. Yeah, I completely agree, Nee. I think the chip on their shoulder is right. I think the potential, you know, everyone knowing that this could be Drew Brees' last year is a very strong motivating factor, not only for Brees, but the whole team to really step up. So my question, I guess, is, you know, how long can Drew Brees hold up? I mean, he's he's playing He's probably still playing somewhat hurt. I mean, he's probably good to play, obviously, but I, you know, I don't know if he's completely healed yet. And, and what if he, you know, he's got to play this deep, the Chicago defense. He potentially has to play Tampa again, you know, I mean, or, or go to Green Bay. I'm just wondering how long can Breeze hold up on a playoff run like that? Well, Breeze has historically been a, a indoor player. Dome Sweet Dome is basically about him. Um, so he'll be he'll be good for the divisional round against Tampa or whoever it is, but then in the championship game he has to go outdoors and go to the tundra of Green Bay, if the seedings hold up and Green Bay win their games. So I feel like the cold is when we're going to see Drew Brees literally exposed, and it's going to be a sad, but it's going to be the end of a Hall of Fame career. He's going to walk off the field with records, and he's going to walk into an NBC broadcasting team. We're going to hear his voice. Um, in Sunday Night Football in years to come. So, unfortunately, I think he can hold up exactly one game. I, I, I know he cannot beat the Packers. I don't think he can beat the Bucks one more time. And I don't think he, I don't know if he can beat Seattle, possibly. But I really think this is going to come to an unfortunate end of the career of Drew Brees. And it's going to be really disappointing, but it's going to happen. We'll close things out with the last game of Wild Card Weekend, a Week 17 rematch between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. But this time, the Steelers have all of their starters. The Browns squeaked by with a 24-22 victory with Mason Rudolph as the QB. Now they come to the Steel City as six-point underdogs. Yeah, Jack, and Pittsburgh was 10-6 and six on the season against the spread, and the Browns were a, were a, were a pretty poor 6-10 and 10 against the spread in 2020. That was second worst for the season. Uh, you know, what a great story for them to be able to make the playoffs, but uh, for gamblers and, and bettors this year, they probably did, uh, you know, very few favors. Um, and this is also the second game with a first-time quarterback in the playoffs in the wild card round, as I mentioned earlier, not a good stat for first time quarterbacks in the wild card round with Baker Mayfield. And uh, to make things worse, there's no Kevin Stefanski for this game. Uh, he's dealing with COVID 19. So, you know, that's a huge loss, I think, for the Browns. Um, and so, you know, with that in mind, I think my big question for Cleveland is, you know, how can they avoid the complacency of just making the playoffs? This is a very successful year. 
Um, but I think this is not the time to get complacent. They need to, you know, use this as a as planting a flag and be able to move forward. But anyways, these two teams have played twice already. They split the series. Uh, Pittsburgh won the first matchup, thirty-eight to seven. Cleveland, as you mentioned earlier, won twenty-four to twenty-two in Week Seventeen. But that was against the Pittsburgh backups. Um, Cleveland, as I believe last time I checked, lost fifteen consecutive games in Pittsburgh. Um, I think with those numbers, and then if you look at the numbers of you know quarterbacks, first-time quarterbacks in the wild card round, those two factors together, I'm going to say Pittsburgh is going to win. I think the reason why Pittsburgh is going to win is just the numbers work against the Cleveland Browns. If Cleveland were to win the game, though, I think it's because they get their running game going. I mean, they, I, I just, I don't think there are many scenarios where where they can let Baker take control of things and have any chance to win. They have to do what they're good at, and that is establish the run. If they were to do that and maybe create some turnovers for Pittsburgh. You know, then I could see Cleveland maybe pulling one out, but I think Pittsburgh's going to win and cover 27 to 17. I think there's way too much data and history working against Cleveland, uh, unfortunately, because it's, it's been a really cool story. Uh, it's been one I've enjoyed watching all season. It has. And as you mentioned, the Browns beat the Steelers last week, but that was against Megan Rudolph. Big Ben is a different quarterback nowadays, but he has what it takes to guide his Steelers past the Browns, who will be missing. Olivia Vernon in the front seven, and safety Ronnie Harrison on the defensive side, as well as head coach Kevin Stefanski, which we'll get to later on. Anyway, I expect the Steelers secondary to pick off Baker once or twice, and TJ Watt might sack him once, once or twice as well. This year's journey is going to end early, and the Browns might be thinking maybe they could have beaten the Jets and things might have been different. Anyway, I expect the Browns to come back next year in the playoffs, on this weekend, they will lose 24-17 to the Steelers. So after the Steelers come from behind win over the Colts, Ben Roethlisberger told Mike Tomlin, I'm not playing next week, and it was a super short discussion. So Ben is hurting. His arm is dead. Honestly, I do not believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just I don't at this point. I think their pass defense is bad, as good as their defensive line is and their run defense. I just... I think that Alex Van Pelt, Aaron Rodgers' former quarterback coach, the guy who's going to be calling plays with Kevin Stefanski out, is ready to guide Baker Mayfield against a shreddable secondary. I'm not confident enough to go in on the money line, but I am taking the Browns to cover, and I'm not shocked if they end up with a sneaky W. But for DFS, I'm really okay with Baker and Ben. I'd rather play pay the extra $500 in salary to go from Ben to Tannehill, but I don't pay, hate paying all the way down for Baker. He's only ahead of Trubisky on the slate. So maybe we stack a little bit of Baker Mayfield with Rashard Higgins, whose salary is just 4100 Really good way to save some money, play the studs like Alvin Kamara, A.J. Brown, and Lamar Jackson. But as for the Steelers' pass catchers, you know Deontay Johnson is going to get 10-plus targets, so he's always in play. Just depends if he wants to catch the ball or not. Juju, he's had a nice little resurgence as of late as well. So he's in play as well. In the last three of three of the last four games, he's scored a TD. And ever since that fumble versus Cincy, he's gone nine receptions, 96 yards and a touchdown against the Colts. And then with Mason Rudolph under center, last week he caught six for 65 and a touch. And of course, there's also Mapletron, Chase Claypool, always a threat. So I don't mind sneaking any of these guys into your lineup. Same with Eric Ebron because it's just a touchdown for tight end. So whatever. I'm fine mixing in all of these pass catchers. But 
I want to stay away from all of the running backs as well. I know Chubb had 108 yards in a TD last week, but that was without Cam Hayward, without TJ Watt, and without some others. I kn- it's not going to be easy for him this week, and I don't think Kareem Hunt can make up that difference either. Fading Nick Chubb the same way we're fading David Montgomery, and we're also going to fade James Conner because we always fade James Conner. We don't trust him. He's bad. Yes, James Conner, bad, bad. Anyway, um, my favorite prop bet of the game is the first timeout of the game to be called by Cleveland. Now, one of the bookmakers is giving $1.85 for that. Here's my reasoning. And it's great to see the Browns back in the playoffs, but they're going to have to do it without their coach, their offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator due to COVID-19. So you can practice as much as you want, and you can do all the walkthroughs in the world, but on the day, I feel like the special teams coordinator who has been thrust into the head coach role at last minute is going to have to burn a timeout early. That's a really fascinating prop bet and something I had not considered, you know, thinking about uh, the difference between, you know, uh, timeouts and, and game management when you have a different coach. That's that's really fascinating. So I'm going to be watching out for that, too, uh, now. Um, so my my thought, though, you know, for the Steelers, um, I think, Jack, you're super, you know, uh, on point by bringing up uh, to be worried about Big Ben. Um, so I think, you know, the Steelers, I think they should be able to beat the Browns, but I, I, I really question whether they can advance, uh, any further in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't think they can beat the Ravens. I don't think they can beat the Titans. I don't think they can beat the, uh, the Chiefs and I don't think they can beat the Bills. So I, I really, I don't see how the Steelers can go any farther unless somehow the Colts get a victory and they end up placing them. That's the only team that they could beat. But anyways, that's going to take care of our wild card preview. But what about the teams that aren't playing this week? We're going to highlight our first round buys before we head out. So for the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career, the playoffs will run through Lambeau Field. He's quoted on the Pat McAfee show saying he's embracing the suck of the cold weather, which means he knows that the other team is going to be more miserable in the cold than he is, so he's going to play better because of it. So with the frozen tundra of Green Bay with Wisconsin hosting, can anyone stop the bad man Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? Look, uh, it's going to be the thing that Green Bay uh Here's the deal. The only thing that can stop Green Bay is their run defense. If they're not stopping the run, then maybe someone can get past them. But Aaron Rodgers is coming into is coming into a purple patch of form. And he's going after everyone who doubted him this year. And he's throwing the ball to Devontae Adams, Bob Tonyan, and Aaron Jones as much as he can on his MVP Scorched Earth Tour. So Tom Brady might be able to stop him. But the question is, can Tom Brady get the NFC title game? Well, I, I don't want to give away too much uh, just yet. Uh, I know we still have some topics to discuss, but I, I do think I think that Brady can get through uh, Green Bay. I think that that would be almost maybe a you know I think that is sort of the NFC Championship game right there. Even though if it doesn't if it doesn't happen in the NFC Championship, um, so you know um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that game. I'm really excited about the possibility though. Of potentially seeing Rodgers in Kansas City, if that were if that or Kansas City and, and uh, Mahomes and Rodgers playing each other, uh, potentially to end the year, or Brady and Mahomes would be really exciting. Um, so on the other side of things, um, thinking about Kansas City, thinking about the AFC title game, are are we giving the number one seed, the defending champs in the AFC, 
uh, you know, are we giving them enough respect? I, I kind of feel like we might be sleeping on them just a little bit. I know that Buffalo is playing the best football right now, but, you know, Kansas City has put up some lackluster performances recently. So that leads me to kind of a secondary question. If we are, you know, if we aren't putting enough respect on this team, do they have the ability to kind of flip that switch that championship teams seem to have uh, in order to, you know, to make that final push? Well, Doc, we know that Andy Reid has a phenomenal record coming out of a bye, so I have no issues with the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round next week. It really comes down to the AFC title game. If they get anyone but Buffalo, I think they'll win. They'll go to the Super Bowl. But if they run into the Bills, it could be a classic encounter because when I think back to the Super Bowl last year when they beat the 49ers, the 49ers were lacking a secondary. The Bills don't have that problem. They got Levi Wallace, they got Tredavious White, and they got a pretty decent running game. They got Josh Allen in addition to Devin Singletary. So the Bills could cause headaches for the Chiefs if things fall right in the AFC title game. Definitely think it's possible. I think the Bills or the Ravens could get hot, could go on a run. But really, I think that the Chiefs are the team to beat the reigning. And I really don't think that anyone in the AFC can knock off the reigning, defending, undisputed champions of the world. But that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. And the regular season may be over, but the fun sure isn't. So with the playoffs set to kick off, with the road to the Super Bowl officially underway, me, what is your Super Bowl prediction? And do you have any other parting thoughts ahead of wildcard weekend? Well, it's been a pleasure as always, Jack. And the new, year, the new year is a week old, believe it or not. So be sure to ask yourself, what do I want from 2021? And then map it out and put it into action. Kick some goals and be good to yourself. And also be good to your dynasty team because January is when many GMs in your leagues, they say peace out. They just forget about fantasy. They just disappear. But this is a time when you can make moves. You can sneak in and get players for less than a dollar before the free agency and the draft season. So throw out some offers and have fun during the NFL playoffs. Otherwise, as always, mask up, stay safe, and be good to each other. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at TheRealNWB for all sorts of content, including the incredibly unique IDP Dynasty player profiles. My goodness, you truly cannot get that kind of content anywhere else. But of course, it's not just me. John's got his own player profiles coming out on smaller school products that are going to pay off big time in the second and third rounds of your rookie drafts. So keep an eye on that. John, do you have any parting words and who is going to the Super Bowl in your mind? Yeah, Jack, I second all of the sentiments that my colleague Nee has about Dynasty. Like, even though the season is over, um, you know, don't delete the app off your phone. Don't stop answering emails. I mean, really be active. I know, you know, we've all just went through a long season and it's probably, you know, you want a break, but really now is the time uh, to have some fun with your team in terms of roster construction. Even if you are the champ, if you've got the title, if you got the, the, all the jelly beans that you won from winning your league, don't get complacent, get on the wire Get on importantnonsense.com and read some of the wonderful stuff the Dynasty team is putting out. Myself, Nee, Matt Mercier, Chase Barrett, we're putting out player profiles for some under-the-radar players, offense and IDP. Um, I wrote about UAB Spencer Brown this week. 
Um, and so anyways, check it out. It's really cool stuff. Um, and but finally, my Super Bowl pick, I like the Bucks and the Chiefs to make it to the Super Bowl this year. Make sure you follow along with John throughout Dynasty season on Twitter at Dynasty PhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC. And you can find all the lovely little player profiles and a slew of off-season content over on importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at NonsenseFF. So tune in next Thursday night, Friday morning for a divisional preview. But until then, I've been your host, at Javna87, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to take down the Kansas City Chiefs 38-35 to in the Super Bowl on the back of the GOAT Tom Brady as he wins another Super Bowl MVP. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!